Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of The Articulate Fly. On this episode, I'm joined by Wisconsin guide Chris Willen. We discuss paying your dues and all things musky and smallmouth. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. But before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend and please subscribe and leave us a rating and review in the podcatcher of your choice. It really helps us out. And a shout out to this episode's sponsor. This episode's sponsored by our friends at Norvice. Their motto is, tie better flies faster, and they produce the only vice that truly spins. To see for yourself in 2022, the folks from Norvice will be at all of the fly fishing shows and the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival. So if you're in the Denver area on February 11th, 12th, or 13th, stop by the Norvice booth at the Fly Fishing Show. If you miss them there, you'll have a chance to catch up in two weeks at the Fly Fishing Show in Pleasanton or the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival in Mesquite. Now, on to our interview. Well, Chris, welcome to the Articulate Fly. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our conversation, and we have a tradition on the Articulate Fly. We always ask our guests to share their earliest fishing memory. Um, uh, fishing with my, my dad, probably. Um, maybe not my youngest memory, but the youngest one that I can or the first time or whatever, but the <clears throat> earliest one that I can remember is probably at my Uncle Bob's cabin, which is up here in uh, northern Wisconsin. It's over in Eagle River and fishing off his dock there for bluegills and perch and all that stuff. And uh, it was a musky flowage. And so when we got older or whatever, my dad would take me out there and we go try to catch him. We never did too, too well, but um, that's definitely my first probably, you know, one that I can recall is just being up there in the North woods up, you know, just a couple hours from me right now. And over there on the Tamarack flowage. Uh, very neat. When did you move to the dark side of fly fishing? Um, I didn't start fly fishing until a lot later in, in my fishing, um, career, I guess, uh, later than, than most might think being a full-time pretty much fly fishing guide. Now, I mean, I do conventional tackle as well like um a lot of guides do but but uh most of my business is fly fishing but um you know it was after high school and it was uh my buddy tim fisher kind of got me into it uh we went to the same high school his parents were friends with my parents and stuff we didn't hang out too much in high school but um after that we we ran into each other a few times and i was talking to him about musky fishing because that's what i was doing uh just all the time and he was showing me pictures of steelhead and brown trout and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, well, you should take me musky fishing. And I'm like, well, yeah, take me fly fishing. So <clears throat> we started doing that and, um, you know, trout fishing, stuff like that. And then smallmouth fishing with him out of a drift boat. And then he's the first guy I caught a musky on a fly with, too. So, um, you know, we kind of got into that at, at a real similar time as well because um, we both once we started musky fishing more, we kind of stopped. I stopped going trout fishing and stuff with him, and we just kind of musky conventional tackle fished. And then he brought it to my attention that we could be fly musky fishing, and I was like, okay. And he got hooked up with a couple guys, did some, did some of it, and then we went, and it was just like the first time I saw a musky eat a fly, it like took me out of the, the game for a, for a second. You know, like it was just like, wow. They it smoked it. It completely ate that thing like, like I've never seen a fish eat a bait. You know, just like 
smashed it. And I was just uh, it, it, really impressed with it and intrigued. And that day we ended up catching three, which is pretty pretty dang good for your first time ever musky fly fishing, right? Yeah, for sure. And uh, from that from then on, I was pretty hooked, man. And we did it for you know a couple months straight there, and then the next year, it's all I did. I pretty much moved up north and. <laughs> that's all I did it today. <laughs> and, it's, and it's been all downhill from there, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It, it, and so, you know, you, you kind of get the bug, you get super turned on to, to chasing muskie on the fly, but you know, there's a bit of a journey from that point to becoming a full-time uh, guide. You know, who are some of the folks that kind of mentored you on that journey? Uh, definitely Timmy, uh, for sure. Um, Brian Porter, for sure, who I worked with. Um, you know, in more recent years, uh, Larry Dahlberg for sure. In the last like four or five years, we've been fishing together a lot and opening, opening my eyes to a lot of other things. And, and, and it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, Mike Schultz definitely was a big mentor in my guiding and, and business running. Um, really good friend of mine and, you know, just somebody that always tries to help me out and, uh, He'd been in the business longer than me. I met him, met Schulte guiding. Like he came up to Wisconsin on a trip and that's how I met him. And we just became friends immediately. And, uh, you know, between all those guys and then meeting Blaine and, and various other people throughout the industry, um, a lot of people, you know, it, it's hard to even, you know, want to leave anybody out, you know, uh, Jeff Lagutke down in Florida and Naples. He's taught me some stuff for sure. Um, and, you know, also just someone to talk to about guiding stuff and, and things, a completely different world, you know, saltwater sight fishing versus blind casting for muskies all day. Right. But same church, different pew, you know? Yeah. Interesting. And so, you know, as you were kind of, uh, completely consumed with chasing muskie on the fly, you know, when was that kind of aha moment that you're like, I want to be a musky guide on the fly? Well, I kind of always wanted to be a musky guide. Um, I didn't know that it was going to go to fly, you know, quite like it did, but I just got ate up with the fly stuff. And, and it was at a time, we're talking about over 10 years ago, where musky fly was kind of newer to the mainstream. You know, there was, there was guys doing it, but there wasn't like a ton of people doing it. And, you know, it was like before Instagram. So, it was like, uh, you didn't connect with people as quickly either that were also doing it, you know? So there was people doing it all over the place, you know, Facebook was around and I remember I didn't even have a Facebook until all that stuff. Cause it was just like, well, I guess, you know, this is a good way to, to start spreading the word about guiding, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I guess too, I guess Instagram is just such a great way cause the flies are so specialized and they're big, right? It's a great way to kind of, for people to share those ideas too. Yeah. So, you know, I just, it, it was, uh, it was an interesting time. The first few years definitely really lean, but a lot of fun. Brian and I fished together a ton. Um, some other guys in the area too, definitely. And just, it just, you know, it wouldn't trade it for anything. I definitely didn't have much, didn't have two nickels, but, uh, it's a lot of fun. We do a lot of fishing, a lot of camping, um, learning the area. So, you know, 
you know, you, I think you're being a little, um, I guess, polite maybe uh, on uh, or kind of underselling. I mean, you really paid your dues. You want to kind of let some folks know kind of what it was like kind of grinding it out those first few years? Uh, <laughs> well, the first couple of years I lived in um, various uh, spots with my camper, uh, which was not, not a great camper by any means, but it was nice. Um, it, it kept me dry and, uh, it was cool moving it around and, and living at various places. And sometimes in my buddy's places, depending on where the fishing was. And then in Tennessee, I lived, uh, cause I was guiding in Tennessee in the winter for a while there. And, uh, I would, <laughs> I slept at the toy factory for a while, the toy boats factory. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the original Toey Boats factory, I, I, I'm really happy I don't ever have to spend another night sleeping <laughs> there. Um, it was like the creepiest, Bill. I've told this story before, but it, it, it warrants a, a couple minutes just because it's kind of funny. It was creepy. It was a super creepy building. You know, the, the boats were built on the complete other side, and then I was in more of like the office-type area, right? And like half the lights didn't work and it would flicker and there was like all these other empty offices that were super creepy. And uh, you had to walk down the super long hallway where like the, the lights would flicker. It looked like a Saw movie is what I always related it to. Like I was sure that there was going to be like a puppet that was going to murder me at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, as you were saying that, that's exactly what I was like. Gosh, that sounds like, you know... Uh like some kind of gothic uh, horror movie. Yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. And then uh, Chris Franzen actually lived with me there for a little while. He was another um, guide who was off in the wintertime, and he was working at Toei build, helping build boats. And uh, so he was living there for a while, too. So that was a little less uh, saw-like when there was another person there. That, and then uh, lived in the back of a fly shop for a while, Schultz Outfitters. Uh, shout out to Greg Senyo for making me a bunk bed, you know? And, uh, <laughs> so that was interesting. Definitely never lived in a retail store before, um, <laughs> for a few months. And, uh, see what else I had another camper that I had in Tennessee. Um, that one was all right. It got broken into one time or, or animals. I'm not sure what happened to it. I was gone obviously all, all uh, fishing season up here in Wisconsin and packed up one night up here, drove down there, drove all day. It takes quite a while to get down there, get there pretty late at night. I go into my camper and it was sink broken off all the st stains all over the carpet. The worst, like I, I couldn't even like, I can't describe it as, as well as like an unattended barn. For like months. Oh Lord. Is what the inside of this twenty six foot camper smelled like. And um that was fun, you know, after driving all day and then you get down to where you're trying to just pass out and then you have about seven or eight hours worth of cleaning to make that place livable. That was pretty fun. But you know Yeah. That means you really you know, you really love chasing muskie. Was it the eat that attracted you or what was it exactly that made you really obsess about them? You know, I don't know exactly what it is. I think a lot of it equates to maybe when I was a kid, like they were, they were unobtainable. I've described it like that before where like 
you just couldn't catch them when you're a little kid. And I, I just tried. I tried all the time. Every time we go up to my uncle's place or, or places around that, um, when I was able to get to them, I had muskies and just didn't do that well. Caught pike. You know, the, the lake I grew up on had pike. So I was caught <clears throat> pike my whole life, tons of pike. But the, the elusive muskie, right? And then, uh, you know, you get into high school years, you get you get your, your boats and your buddy's got boats and you're, you're traveling around, you're catching them and you start catching them, you start thinking you figured something out, right? <laughs> really, you haven't figured out much. <laughs> but uh, it just, there, it, I just, every single one you learn something from, you know, and, and it's never really easy. You know, you might, you might have an easy day or a fruitful day, you know, where you catch multiple fish or even, you know, I've seen it before, double digit fish. But there's so many days that build up to that day that's so epic. You know, there's so many days where you're just digging the ditch and you're not having any fun, really. You know, you're not catching them, you're not moving them, whatever. But, um, and then, and then it happens, right? And, it's just like I've, I've done a lot of guiding now. I've done a lot of fishing all over the country. Haven't done very much all over. I never left the country, so you know, not not very well traveled by any means. But in the fishing circles, it's hard to compare the excitement of someone's first muskie or a very large muskie getting caught to other fish that I've seen. You know people's excitement is different and, and maybe I just see it that way through my eyes because I'm so excited about it or it means that much to me. So I project it onto them. I'm not sure, but, uh, I think that's part of it. You know, it's just something that just, uh, they're just really cool. I don't know. <laughs> and so, you know, obviously they're hard enough to catch on gear, but you know, why get obsessed and do it on a fly ride? You know, at the time it was, uh, it was, it was so new to me and it was so new to a lot of people and it was new to, this is going to sound funny, but it was kind of new to the fish. And so it was really productive, like right away. We, we caught a lot, you know, and we continue to catch very good numbers on flies. And I think it has a lot to do with just just the natural approach to that, like, especially in our, in our shallow waters where we do a lot of our fishing for them up here in Northern Wisconsin and these shallow Rocky rivers, being able to present a fly to them without a big giant splash of a lure is, uh, there's something to be said for that in, in certain situations for sure. I see it. Um, we had a, we had a pretty low water year this year and our water was really, really clear, um, for, for us. Now, compared to a southern fishery, clear is a relative term, right? You can go down south and have clear water where it's as clear as the water that's coming out of your your sink, you know? But our clear water, it's kind of more like the clearest pea that you could imagine. <laughs> but uh, you'd still see them up on these, these sand spots or whatever. And, you know, you it was it was apparent that they knew that we were approaching them with the boat, you know? it was that low and that clear. And in that situation, that fly, if you can get it out in front of them or if you can get, you know, you can present that fly to them before they, they, you know, the, the jig is up or whatever. Um, they bite it, you know, and it, it's pretty cool. And just the, the act of casting, I think 
got me into it too. Just having to learn how to cast a fly rod, especially a 10 or an 11 weight, um, out of the gate, you know, kind of, because all the fly fishing I had done before that was all kind of nymph fishing, a little bit of dry fly fishing. I hadn't, you know, with Timmy, I hadn't done any big streamer fishing. I didn't even do, do, uh, any pike streamer fishing really before the musky stuff. So the, the big rod thing was kind of, kind of a hurdle to overcome. That was kind of fun too. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, and, and do you think it's also maybe, you know, obviously they're soft, you know, lures on for the gear guys, but also, you know, there's a big difference between like biting into a game changer and biting into a big plug, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just different, you know, the plug is just gonna, <clears throat> you got to move it. You know, it's just, I think that's the biggest difference is just like setting the hook. You know, when you got to move a plug in a fish's mouth or a jerk bait or a big rubber bait versus having to just straight strip set, you know, and that's the biggest disconnect that I, I honestly see in, in the last decade of, of musky fly guiding is that's where it, that's where everything goes hay haywire you know is the is when they bite it and and that's where it's make or break time you either set right or you don't and you catch them or you don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've I've experienced that and you know I, I'm I'm very trouty and so you know, when you're pulling it and it feels like you're in a brush pile, it's a fish and you think you're hung up. So you don't want to yank and you're supposed to be, you know, pulling line in and strip setting hard. And I've, I've missed a few that way. <laughs> Everybody has. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, one of the things that really interests me doing the podcast is, um, you know, while fish are fish, there are always regional differences. Um, and so, you know, how are, for example, your muskie, different than the say the muskie that blaine targets in virginia yeah so uh, a lot of that has to do with like time of year and and um when you're able to fish them like in the summertime our fish can be spread out and they're a lot more solitary whereas like in the summertime during the hot months you know it's not as safe to be targeting muskies in states like tennessee and virginia and west virginia and stuff like that if the water temperature gets um around or exceeding 80 degrees you really should just kind of give them a break um so you know a lot of the the hardcore musky fishing is done in the winter fall and winter months in the south um the whole southern range of musky fishing so during that time those fish are a little bit more congregated together um, in certain areas. So there's a lot of the river that may not hold fish. Um, and now that is true also in our rivers, um, up here in the North, but it's a little bit more of a consolidated time. Um, we don't have months of it. Uh, we might have like a month and a half of it, or maybe, maybe two months of it. And they're moving throughout the system, um, and, and kind of doing other things in, during the rest of the year. So, you target them in that, in that way, uh, where we, we were kind of more stick and move up here. Whereas like a lot of the Southern fishing that I've done in Tennessee, it's just kind of like, you kind of got to just kind of fish certain areas. Cause that's where everybody's going to be at. Um, cause that's where the bait's at, you know? So it just, it's water temperature and, and clarity and time of year. And those three are the kind of the magic three that you just got to figure out. 
Yeah, it must make it really challenging. I mean, you know, obviously the advantage like down here in the mid-Atlantic is it bunches those fish up for several months, but it must be really challenging to have to go out and consistently catch muskie when they're kind of spread out in the system. It's fun, man. <laughs> so what's kind of that general process look like, say, for people like me that are used to fishing for them down here in the south? You know, there's a few ways to approach it, definitely. Um, the old cast-by-numbers approach where you just go out there and, and, you know, cast your arm off and see what you move and then learn from that. Um, and when you're approaching new water, sometimes that's what you got to do, and that's maybe not so fun with a big fly rod, but, um, you know. And that just, that's just the way that it is. But, you know, having been on these systems for, for a while now and, and other systems throughout the country and just kind of like learning how they move through these little rivers and, and stuff like that really just dictates time of year and looking, uh, dictates, um, what you're doing with the time of year and where the fish are going to be at. And, just looking back at notes and being like, okay, last year, this is what was going on. This was the water temps. This is what they were doing the last couple of years, go back five, six, seven years. And, you know, all that really helps, you know, to, and to be able to compile that and, and look at it and go, okay, well try it. You know, this is for, for some, for some reason, this is where they're at this time of year. And, in, and then you can look at it further, which is a lot of the stuff that Larry taught me, like, cause I could figure it out where they were after how many years of doing it right but the why it was like why are they there why are they there and that's you know that's where having a mentor like Dahlberg really helps out because he he knows why and uh, <laughs> so the the pieces of the public kind of fit together a little easier when when you got somebody showing you you know I, the the biggest thing with musky fishing this is what I always tell people when they're like how do you get started what do you want to do you just have to go you just have to go and you have to go a lot and the more you go, the more you see, the more you learn. And, you know, the last time I remember I had a fish coming in and, and I rubbed my tip of my rod on the bottom of the river and spooked the fish and it didn't go into the figure eight. And next time I'm not doing that, you know? <laughs> and the next time the fish comes in, you don't rub it against the, the bottom of the boat, but you, you hit your rod against the, the gunnel of the boat and the fish freaks out. And they go, shit, you know, I'm not doing that next time. And it just, everything piles together, right? And you just start becoming a more proficient angler. You start having the mechanics to do the right things when the fish comes in. And, you know, that that's a big deal. Setting the hook right, casting right all day so you're not totally exhausted. All that stuff's really big. And all that kind of just comes in to uh, just more time, time, time. Yeah, and, you know, like... You know, I know, for example, like in Michigan, uh, the smallmouth water up there is a lot more woody than it is down here in the mid-Atlantic. Do you have big differences in kind of structure and cover, say, compared to, um, you know, uh, musky rivers in Virginia or Tennessee or something like that? Um, they're totally different. You know, we've got uh, just like shallow rocky rivers that'll turn into sand, that you'll have rapids and and big eddies and, and, you know, long, long riffle pools and stuff like that. And a lot of the stuff in the South is more like that ledge rock, um, you know, that limestone and, and, and all that stuff. And, and it's more like flat, you know? And so there's like cuts and big, deep pools. And it's just like the topography of the river is just totally different. So it's, 
it's like apples and oranges, you know? Yeah. Interesting. And also one thing we don't have down here is, you know, we don't have muskie in lakes and, um, you know, how does that change the game? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, definitely different than the river stuff for sure. And, uh, I love it. I'm, I'm a big lake fan. Um, I just like musky fishing in every facet and every way, you know, if they're in a pond, I want to go try to catch them out of it, you know, to see what, what do they look like, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so the, the, the lake stuff, breaking down lakes is, is fun, man. You got to have good electronics. That helps a lot. Um, whereas, you know, the electronics in the river isn't like a huge, huge part of the game, you know, depth maybe, but, uh, you know, in the lake, the better your electronics are, the better off you're going to be. And, uh, so that's, that's cool. And, um, just depending on what you're talking about too, whether you're talking about small little natural lakes up here, or you're talking about the great lakes, or you're talking about flowages or reservoirs or reservoirs, you know, it's, it's all, you approach it all differently. And, you know, it all comes back to that same thing though, whether it's lakes or rivers or what with muskies, it's, water temperature time of year, you know, and, and kind of, and you know, what's, what they're doing, what you've been seeing. Got it. And so are they, you know, are they sort of ambush predators where they'd like to kind of sit deep and have the bait, uh, come over their head or is it just kind of, it's too varied to even really give a general rule of thumb? Oh yeah. I mean, there's no one spot, you know, they could be on a weed line. They could be on a rock reef. They could be on a rock pile. A lot of these little natural lakes up here, we have what's called a fish crib. So these guys will sink these, you know, like uh, big pallet cubes, basically, for panfish. And sometimes the muskies are hanging around those cribs. Um, flowages, you've got the original river channel. Um, that's always a big thing in the fall. Um, other times of the year, they could be up in the shallows. You, you know, it's it's. There's no one, you know, blanket answer for it. They are in in places for short periods of time, changing infinitely throughout the season. And um, they move in and out, too. You know, some of those really big girls, they're not sitting up in the shallow, catchable areas often. They're out in that deep water, maybe 30, 40, 50 feet of water out there suspended, hanging out and maybe only come up to a feeding area in the early mornings or in the evenings. And, and that's the only really shot you have at them or something like that. You know, it's not quite like a river, but one of the biggest things that I, that I tell people the differences between lakes and rivers, and um, this doesn't really answer your question, but it does kind of give you a little bit of an insight to the, the difference. A river, I can't go back on a fish that day. You know, let's say I got, 28 spots on a float where I've seen muskies. If we see a spot in spot five, I can't go back to that fish at low light in the evening or at a moon period or at a feeding window. I've been seeing like between two and two thirty. I've been seeing some action lately. Like I can't go back on that fish right until the next day or the next, time which could be a week from then or two weeks from then whenever i get back on that particular piece of river now on a lake if we move a fish in the morning eight o'clock seven thirty something like that and that fish is hot okay that fish is that fish wants to bite something maybe it's not going to eat right now but we have a major moon moon phase major at one thirty, 
So at one thirty, I'm going to go park on that spot and cast at that fish. And that's a really good way to catch one. Or I'm going to come back at that fish. Um, we had a weather change or a wind direction change, or it's low light now, it's the evening. You know, fill in the blank, right? Some sort of variable changes, and you can go back to that fish and see if it wants to eat now. See if something changed, if it reset, right? In the river, it's kind of a one-shot deal for that day. Interesting, and, and why is that? Because I can't go back, you know? I can't can't go back because I'm, I'm in a drift boat, and we're doing 10 miles of river. So, you know, wherever that, whatever my moon phase is or my low light period, I'm further down the river and I can't row back up five, six miles, you know, to go see if that fish is hungry now. I got you. I got you. It's, it's a, it's a rowing or a jet boat problem. It's not a, uh, a different difference in the system type problem. It's, I got it. Well, see a lot of our rivers too up here aren't really conducive to jet boats. Um, it's dangerous. You know, there's rocks everywhere there's not clear paths i mean we're rubbing in drift boats we're hitting stuff you know i mean it's some of them are some stretches in some areas yeah but a lot of the ones that we fish are not jet boatable got it and and so uh kind of shifting more to kind of uh tackle and things like that you know what are your favorite flies for targeting muskie uh, time of year, um, it kind of depends on what I'm throwing, you know, earlier in the year, I, I don't throw the super big stuff. Um, single double Bufords, uh, double nickel is a fly that I have someone throwing quite a bit. Uh, I always joke around and say I got one pitch and, and that's it. That's my fastball is uh, the double nickel <laughs> and it, it just, just works, man. It works for me in the lakes, works for me in the river. It's a good bug, um, good size, manageable to cast and uh kicks around good um definitely game changer for sure um can't go wrong somebody wants to cast one that's uh that's always a good good way to go man they move really good and, and they definitely eat them um do do a ton of top water stuff i just the it's like heartbreak hotel with those things they, they miss them all the time or it's really hard to hook them and I just feel like fly fishing for him is hard enough, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. We do catch them on, uh, you know, not not a lot, not a lot. Couple, couple a year. I get get guys that have been fishing with me for a long time, and they want to catch one on top, and we're skating a fly over over some riffles or something like that. Actually, is pretty fun when it's hot out. They'll be up in that crazy shallow stuff in some of the rapids, and you can kind of get some real visual eats like that with just like a big bulky Buford head or a bulkhead on like an intermediate or even a floating line. Sometimes that's pretty fun. Um, I'm trying to think a uh, bunch of, I fish a lot of Eli, uh, Barant stuff. Um, Optimus swine, the single hook fly that clients can cast that, um, you know, maybe don't fish a ton. Uh, or even, you know, to be honest with you, like my, my good buddy, Timmy, who I've been talking about, who guides with me in the fall, that's the only fly he likes to fish. And he's perfectly capable of casting anything that he wanted to. He just likes that fly. And he's caught tons of big fish on it. And, you know, I'm looking at a picture right now. One of the biggest muskies I guided to up here was a guy, and it was his first fish of any kind on a fly rod. It's one of those kind of stories. And he caught it on a single hook optimus swine. It's probably a six-inch fly. Um, so... <laughs> You know, you never know. And that was late fall where usually we'd be throwing something giant. 
So you never know, man. I just the, the fly that you throw is whatever you're confident in and you're gonna fish right. I think that's the best the best answer. I think they'll eat just about anything as long as it's presented to them right. You just got to uh, be confident and and do it correctly. And I think a lot of doing it correctly has to do with the confidence that you have in it, because then you're doing you're fishing it right, and you're knowing that like you you're visualizing that fish coming up behind it right every single time. That's what you got to be doing when you're musky fishing because when you feel that little tap, you got to be ready to just start hammering those strip sets. Or like you said, you feel like you're dragging on some logs or something. Just set it, smash them, see what happens. You know, let's go. You're hung up. Let's go get it. Who cares? It's gonna happen a bunch. I got a hook pile, right? (laughs) (laughs) Just you just gotta whack them all. But um, you know, I honestly I think that's the biggest thing. I know I just said it, but whatever you're confident in, throw that thing, and it'll get bit. Yeah, neato. And um. And so in terms of like rod, line, and leader setup, what do you like? And I know you've got kind of, you know, lakes and rivers, and so you probably have one or two flavors of ice cream, but kind of what are your favorite setups? Well, um, the rods that I use, I, I helped design one on G. Loomis, so I use that one. It's the um, IMX Pro M. Uh, the number one thing that I use is the 11 weight. I use that one a lot. The 12 weight is more of a spot rod. So if I've got a fish in a spot, um, where I'm like, I want to throw the biggest fly that I've got, the craziest, biggest thing with the heaviest line and get it right in his face and see what happens. Then you bust out the 12 weight, but you're not going to cast that one all day. Um, the 11 weight, really nice to cast all day. Lines, um, just depends on the water level, really. Um, you got to adjust. Uh, this year we fished a lot of intermediate stuff. I fish a lot of scientific anglers lines. Um, the sonar Titan intermediate, full intermediate, really good place to start. Uh, with an intermediate line, kind of, uh, kind of a do it all intermediate. Um, you can fine tune your intermediate too. You know, you can go to a clear tip or, Hey, this one sinks a little bit faster or the tropical one works a little bit better when it's warmer out. Um, so as, as, as detailed or fine tuned as you want to get to it, scientific anglers has lines to do that. Um, but that, that Titan full intermediate is a really good place to start. And it's a really durable line. That line's going to last you for a while and you're going to be able to, uh, use it for a few times out without cleaning it and stuff. And then, you know, the more you clean it, the better it's going to treat you. But, uh, that thing, that thing's a workhorse. Uh, the sinking lines, it just depends. A lot of the stuff that we do up here in the North, I like the floating runner with like a 25 foot sinking head. Um, a lot of the stuff in the South in the wintertime, I like more of that gradual sink, you know, intermediate sink three, sink five, or even, um, sink three, sink five, sink seven in the sonar triple densities. If I really want to get down or if I'm cutting current. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot different than it was 10 years ago with, with fly lines and musky fishing. I'll tell you that it's a lot easier to completely dial in and have four, four, for me, you know, guiding, I got four or five, six rods in the boat with different lines and different flies and, and all that stuff. So I, I know I can present to where I want it to present the fly where I want it to, um, to the fish. So it's, it's, uh, 
it, it's a, it's not a one line answer. You know, you just got to adjust to the, to the conditions. Yeah. And I think one of the great things SA has done, and I know the other, other manufacturers have as well, but just having, you know, the color transitions in the line to help the caster makes a huge difference. For sure. And, you know, you touched on this earlier, so maybe we'll see if we can find something, um, in addition to screwing up the hook set. Um, but, uh, you know, that and, uh, having a fly, uh, that you have confidence in, what are some other mistakes that you see kind of the average muskie angler make? Changing flies a lot. I see that a lot, you know, when we're, when we're grinding, when we're, when they're not biting so good or we're in a period where, um, you know, we're not moving them, not the fly, you know, we just got to find one. You got to find a player and, um, and that's what it is. They see a lot of people that just want to spend a lot of time changing flies and seeing different ones swimming. That's cool. I get it. But, uh, I'm much more of more cast is better. Kind of a, kind of a thing. Um, the hook set really is the number one disconnect. Uh, especially when I'm teaching conventional tackle guys, how to musky fly fish, you know, everybody wants to set with the rod, um, or you get trout guys that want to set with the rod or even bass dudes do a lot. Um, you know, really proficient bass anglers, which I fish with all, uh, all during bass season and they come out musky fishing and you got to kind of remind them like, this isn't a mixed bag combo thing where you kind of strip set and set with the rod. It's a completely do not pick that rod up at all. I'm going to yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that's definitely the number one thing. And I think it's just like, you just gotta just, I just, I repeat it to people all day long. They probably get sick of hearing it from me. They probably make fun of me on the way home. How many times did he tell us a strip set today? We didn't even see a fish, you know, <laughs> but you know, it's just, it's, it's just what it is with musky fishing. You just got to constantly tell yourself strip set when it bites strip set rod tip down. Don't lift the rod at all until you can't strip any more line. And then you can start, pulling up on that rod and giving them the butt end of that rod and seeing what happens. But it's, it's a three, four, you know, plus strip set sometimes before you start lifting up the rod. Um, being noisy at the boat. That's a, that's a big one. I think, um, people get excited, you know, it's, it's understandable, but the more you move your feet, they don't like that. They hear it, you know, they feel it. And sometimes that's the difference between a big fish eating at the boat or not, or a weary fish eating at the boat or not. Um, the more you can just kind of set yourself up for what you know you're going to have to do if there's a fish behind it as you're stripping the fly in. You know, does that make sense? Like get in position? Yeah, for sure. That, that's huge. Just always being ready for it. And, um, and also, you know, not being ready for it because that's when they bite it. So that's always good to throw that out there every few, few hours, you know, <laughs> spice it up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, completely stopping the fly also. I mean, it's probably a long-winded, like, seven-part answer. But, you know, I see all different kinds of things all throughout the year. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But what doesn't work a lot of times is just completely killing the fly altogether. Seems like unless they're in unless you've got some good current or you've got maybe a situation where the fish is like crazy, crazy hot. But even then I'd like to just have them keep it, taking it away from them. The best thing that you can do is kind of just try to take it away. I always just say, Hey man, 
if you're a bait fish, you're a sucker, you're a shad, whatever you are, and this muskie's trying to eat, you're not going to stop. You're not going to sit there. You're going to run away, you know? <laughs> so that's, uh, that's, that's one other thing too, but definitely the hook set, you know, work on that. And, and really the cast, you know, if you can't certain times of year, especially, but I mean, you gotta, you gotta be able to cast the muskie fly at least 50 feet to really be, be in the game. Yeah. And that's even on the hook set. That's even before you have one blow up on the figure eight, which makes it super difficult. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cast 50 feet that way, but also be ready at your toes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, uh, you know, uh, changing gears a little bit, I know you also guide for smallmouth and I I just thought maybe you could share a little bit about your smallmouth fishery with us. Yeah, man, we have a phenomenal smallmouth fishery here in northern Wisconsin. Um, I'm really looking forward to April. Our pre-spawn stuff starts getting rolling around then. And uh, last year was out of this world, so I'm really looking forward to this year. Um, It's fun, man. Uh, Fly fishing for smallmouth up here is, I'd put it, uh, I'd put it against a lot of other places, you know. And that's that's not just my region. That's throughout the whole state. Uh, we've got some just and and Minnesota as well. Just phenomenal smallmouth fishing up here in the Northland, and uh, it's fun, man. You know, I used to do it in Michigan too. Michigan's got phenomenal smallmouth fishing as well. Um, our rivers are a little bigger, a little different than um, than the Michigan stuff. Uh, I used to guide there for Schulte too, so. Um, spends a couple years guiding smallmouths there. Uh, totally cool place to fish them as well. Um, ours is a little unique. You know, we got the dark water, we got the, the rapids, we got the boulders, we got the kind of bluffs sometimes, depending on where you're at. <clears throat> um, I'm really looking forward to seeing some, some double barrel popper action. That's kind of my favorite. I like that mid-sized one um, on an eight weight and, you know, getting the four to five pounds smally on that you know it's pretty pretty fun can't beat it yeah i think they're i mean they're great fighters i mean there's just no other way around it yeah you know for a guy that's always musky fishing too it's nice to go out and, and catch a bunch you know that doesn't always happen smallmouth fishing but generally uh you know it's kind of more of a numbers numbers deal than uh musky fishing <laughs> So it's fun to go out there and set the hook and, and get the net wet all day and, and laugh. And it's just a lot more relaxed, you know, and that's, and maybe that's just me because like when I'm musky fishing, I, I kind of musky fish at one speed and it's like fast and going at it and taking it super serious. I, I don't, I have a hard time, like, uh, lack the days ago musky fishing, I guess, you know, but smallmouth fishing is a lot more relaxed to me. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and that's funny. And, um, you, you know, so tell us a little bit about your guide service and kind of what your guide season looks like, Chris. Yeah. So, um, coming into my 11th year guiding and so that's pretty exciting. Um, I'm going to start getting rolling here in, uh, April, mid to end of April is when the small starts getting going. Um, which is new for us in the last couple of years. They just opened it up uh, to an all-year catch-and-release season for our smallmouth and uh, better regulations and stuff, but we get to fish for them a little bit longer. It's all catch-and-release, um, so that's pretty cool uh, for the early part of the season. And um, 
So that gets going, and then our musky season doesn't open up here until the end of May, the last Saturday in May. I'm in the northern zone of Wisconsin. The southern zone opens the first Saturday in May, and uh, up here in the northern zone, we are the last Saturday. And musky season rolls from then all the way through December now, um, which uh, weather dependent, you know, and, and getting into the D word there, that's that could be a little crazy up here in the Northwoods, but definitely fish through a good portion of November, um, for them and, um, chase them pretty hard that whole time. Uh, lakes, rivers, fly fishing, conventional tackle fishing a little bit. Um, you know, whatever people want to do, but mostly, uh, mostly throwing the feathers at them. Yeah. And then I guess you, you spend four months tying flies, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, I used to go and guide in other places, but uh, the pandemic um, kind of made things a little bit interesting for me in the South. I just wasn't getting the... It's all travel, you know. I didn't have a lot of local people, um, so it kind of made things a little weird, and it was hard to hard to keep, uh, keep the bookings, you know? Yeah, and so were you coming South to basically uh, guide our musky season down here? Uh, in, in Tennessee. Um, yeah, I used to go down there from like, I would leave here. Um, depends. Sometimes I would go down right before Christmas and then come back for Christmas or I'd go right after Christmas and then, uh, be down there until April. Got it. And, you know, I think folks have gotten an idea. We know that, uh, you'll yell at people for, for lifting the rod tip, but you know, what's a day on the water like with Chris Willen? No, I think yelling at him is a, it's more of a laughing yell. I'm not, I'm not. No, uh, I, I understand. You're not like one of those Florida Keys guys yelling at somebody. I'm not sergeanting anybody until like the fourth or fifth one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just hope that everybody leaves with learning something. Uh, it's kind of the main goal. I obviously want everybody to catch fish too. And, and, um, PBs are nice. You know, I always, uh, it's always a feather in the hat of the guide, right? When somebody gets a PB. Um, so that's always a lot of fun. We got a few of those this year. First muskies, really great time too. I always love seeing that. We got quite a few of those this year also. Um, you know, a lot of float trips. If, if you want to do a float trip, you're looking at, you know, nine to 10 hours on the river. Uh, your arm's going to be tired at the end of the day. You're not going to be lacking a cast. That's for sure. Um, I always tell people if they're coming from far away, give me three days. Let me show you some stuff. There's a lot of really beautiful things up here that people should experience. And um, three days is a good window to get a muskie. You know, they don't always bite every day or we don't always find a player every day when you're searching with a fly. So um, that's a good little time frame if you're coming from far away. Uh, the lake stuff, pretty cool. Um, you know, you want to go for a really big muskie. You want to go kind of do something that's a little bit different. You know, maybe you've done the river muskie thing a little bit and you want to go try something a little different. Um, vice versa, if you've done the lake thing before and you're like, oh man, I want to see what some of this river stuff's about. It's a completely different experience in the lake. So, um, you know, it's all fun to me. I just, I just love those muskies so much that I just don't care where we're going. I just want to go catch them and, uh, find them the best way I can. But yeah, I mean, just hopefully people learn stuff. And what I, one of my favorite things guiding is when somebody comes to fish with me, and they spend a couple of days with me in the boat and through talking and experiences that we have together. And 
and whatever happens and the, you know, the fish that they catch and then they go back to wherever they live and they go to their fishery and, and catch something doing something that we did together. And then they hit me up afterwards and say, Oh man, we did, did this. Or, oh, I tied the double nickel and, and you know, we got two muskies on it and you know, all that stuff's really, really cool. It's always makes you feel good, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I know, uh, talking about COVID COVID is starting to kind of recede. Are you going to be doing any shows kind of in the upper Midwest or anywhere else in the country during show season? Uh, you know, I was scheduled for a couple of them, but, um, our boots got canceled because of travel restrictions within some companies that I was working with. Um, so I'm not doing any, uh, and I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> You know, the shows are a lot of fun. I miss seeing my friends and stuff like that, but safety is important. And, um, you know, I just hope everybody's being safe that's going to the shows and uh, miss everybody. Hopefully it'll get back to normal in the next couple of years and and we can all get back together. And uh, I certainly miss catching up with everybody. You know, you get you make friends and, and even some of the, the people that come to the show, you get to know them and, see them over the years or they come fish with you and, and you, you hadn't seen them in a while, but you go to a show in their area and you get to see them again. And it's fun, man. It's definitely a part of the, the stuff that, that I miss. Um, I miss going to ICAST and, and seeing everybody. Cause that's kind of like, you get to see all your guide buddies and, and, uh, people throughout the other companies that you get to work with and put names to faces and stuff. And you get to get stuff done, you know I mean? I, w- I don't think I would have ever been able to work with Loomis and work with Steve Rajeff and, and all those guys if I wasn't doing the ICAST stuff um, back in the day and, and um, you know, trying to be present for that stuff. So we could build uh, a musky fly rod, you know. Ten years ago, there was no musky fly rod. <laughs> so it's, it's cool that all the big major companies, you know, TFO, Sage, G. Loomis, Thomas & Thomas, Echo, um, a lot of these companies, all they now have musky fly rods, and uh, pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, before I let you go tonight, Chris, you want to kind of let folks know the the best way to kind of keep up with your fishing adventures and to reach out and book you? Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Facebook, just at uh, it's Chris Willen, and then on Instagram, it's kind of more relevant, um, up-to-speed stuff. Uh, CW guide and uh, try to post pictures and stuff. I don't post a ton, ton of stuff, but I, I try to um, put, put up some musky and bass pics and and share some stuff. Um, so that's a good way to keep up with me. Or my website is just chriswillen.com. Shoot me an email and uh, get you out in the boat. Twenty two. Uh, well, there you go. Well, you know, Chris, I really appreciate you taking some time to chat with me this evening. Well, I appreciate you having me again, and uh, hopefully we can fish together soon. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome. Take care. Thanks so much. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. Again, a shout-out to this episode's sponsor, our friends at Norvice. You owe it to yourself to head over to www.nor-vice.com to check out all of their great products and all of their show appearances this season. Tight lines, everybody.